0: Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists.
1: Thanks for tuning in again to the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Today, Melinda and I are going to have a little bit of of a chat about um, building and pest issues.
0: Look, it's always handy to have a licensed builder on our team when we are looking at building and pest inspections for our clients, but I think one of the um, things that people often ponder is should we actually pay this extra money to get a building and pest Inspection when you know we've got a licensed builder looking at a property on our behalf, and even as a a standard buyer, anyone that walks through a property, I do know that some people do try to skimp on the cost of a building and pest inspection. Um, It is only $550 and it does eliminate risk. But, Scott, what's the difference between what you can do during a standard inspection, even as a licensed builder, versus you know what would happen at a building and pest inspection?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, today we'll, we'll cover off, I guess, a lot of that. There'll be less data, obviously. So won't be as Melinda talking data as much today in numbers.
0: Maybe Scott will get uh, <laughs> a little bit more of a word in today.
1: But um, when we go to do an inspection on a property, generally an open house, for example, is somewhere around 30 minutes. So you have about 30 minutes to walk around, do a video, have a look at things, that type of thing. Whereas a building and pest inspection, we have a lot longer. And that, that ranges from about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, So when we do a visual inspection and you inspect a property, I I probably look at it a little bit different to others. I probably look at the building more uh, itself. Some some things that I will look at there will be just visual things. So things like the gutters, if you can see the roof, see what sort of condition the roof's in, have a look at the bricks and the the concrete around the place to see if there's any visual cracking. Um, That sort of shows you some idea whether there's movement Uh, You might look at some ant capping, a lot of tin and timber houses here in in Queensland. So we look at the ant capping just to make sure that it has that termite protection barrier. Check the meter box. That's always a good thing to do. Open up the meter box. If it's had some termite treatment, for example, they usually put a sticker in the meter box to show when it was done and how long it's still uh, current, the the cover for that. Um, And you can also check things like safety switches.
0: Well, it's definitely different to the way um, most people inspect a property. And I know before you highlighted um, the proper way to inspect properties to our team, Scott, you know, we would walk through a home and, you know, this is what a lot of people do. They look at the colour of the walls and they look at the furniture and they imagine themselves in the space. The reality is whether you are buying a home or an investment property, it's absolutely critical to try and um null out the the pretty things about the home and really look at the structure. You know, the build, it's a huge investment when you're purchasing a property and the building itself um, it, it can hide a lot of issues if you don't know what you are looking for. And if you don't have a trained eye, even as a builder, I think it's absolutely critical to make sure that you are getting, you know, someone to come in and do a proper building and pest inspection even with a licensed builder on our team inspecting properties for our clients. Uh, we will generally always uh, recommend a building and pest inspection is completed. The only time that that may not happen is if a property has been purchased with the intention to be knocked down because we do help buyers with um, with development and and obviously demolishing an existing home may not require a building and pest inspection if you intend to get rid of it. But Scott, what's the difference between what you do when you attend the building and pest inspections with the licensed building and pest inspectors versus what you would do in a standard inspection?
1: Yeah, so as I said, with the first part, with that first visual inspection, walking around looking for cracks and and movement in the property, that gives you an idea of the structure, what's holding the the building up, how much movement's in it, even things like indoors with with cornice and any movement and cracks um, that you see around the property. It's really hard to see. We can't see in the walls. I don't have time to get in the roof space. So we don't get to look at the property in depth um, and get inside the bones of it. When we get to a building and pest inspection, uh, it's very different. So generally the way we operate is I will do a walk around at the same time as the guys that are doing the building and pest. I'll take notes. I'll look at things. They will be looking at things and then we compare notes at the end of it and they'll show me anything they find. They have a lot more equipment as well. So they can actually see and, and get an idea of what's happening in the walls as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's critical. And I think um, one thing I, I want to add is having that that ability, obviously, they're doing the, the assessment of the structure and, you know, the moisture readings and, and more of that that you'll go into, Scott, but at the same time, having you there and, and checking out, you know, whether the switches actually do work, whether the appliances actually work, um, you know, whether the air conditioning has the remote control and whether it actually turns on and whether that works—that's the sort of uh, assessment that you can do when you're attending alongside the building and pest inspectors. But it's not something that's typically covered, you know, by them in their inspection either, is it?
1: No, they they tend to look at the house itself, um, so the structure, the termites, the asbestos, moisture, things like that. When it comes to light switches, air conditioning, even, even cooktops and ovens, they don't check that. They'll generally tag it to say they recommend to get a plumber or an electrician to do a, a check, even your smoke alarms, things like that. They, they don't check all those things. They'll generally tag their report and say that if you want to have that tested, they recommend you get a qualified tradesman to do those tests.
0: Yeah, but I guess there's nothing more frustrating than moving into a new home or having tenants moving into a property and discovering at that time that there may be uh, some fault with some of those items. So definitely something to keep in mind if you are purchasing a property, you know, if you're not paying for those additional checks, um, or if you don't have a buyer's agent obviously performing those additional checks for you, there can be some costs that you incur when you do either rent that property for the first time or. Um, when you do actually get you know move into that property yourself but look Scott tell me a little bit more about you know the building and pest inspection and you know what sort of things do they actually assess you mentioned um, assessing moisture readings in the walls what else happens
1: so the the guys that are there when they do the test they'll they'll obviously uh, hop on the roof they climb around the roof that's not something we can do at a at a standard inspection so they'll check the roof. Um, they'll check for leaks, uh, any sort of damage on the roof side of things. Uh, they hop in the actual roof space. So they actually climb in with masks, masks on. They'll climb through the roof space, check for any leaks, check for any structural issues, insulation. Uh, they do have a look at some electrical side of things. Obviously, they can't if they see anything that is visually uh, a, a worry. They'll they'll comment on that. Uh, the other thing is is under the house. So if, if it's elevated uh, timber flooring, they can they can actually climb in under the house. We can have a look at the the structure of the the columns that are holding the property up and also the bearer's joists and all the, the structure of the timber underneath. A, a big thing that they do uh, look at quite a lot is moisture. Now, when, you, when they look at, it's probably something you need to actually see to really understand it. But when they look at the walls, they have a moisture reading and they'll put the moisture reading meter on the walls Generally, in the the back of showers, things like that, you you sometimes pick up bits of moisture, whether it's just a grout or a silicon issue or whether the waterproofing itself is actually broken down. They'll pick up moisture and they can tell how high it's moved around the walls. The moisture reading is also good for termites. So if there's any sort of warmth in the wall where the termites might be, they can pick up that that warmth and any movement that are in the walls as well. So they can uh, detect if there's any sort of trace of termites in the property.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things that we tend to look at when we're doing a visual inspection um, to to check for termites or whether termite treatments have been in place. Scott, tell us about what we can do versus, you know, the types of assessments that they would do at a building and pest inspection.
1: Yeah, so you can have a look around the outside. Sometimes if you've got a, a concrete slab around the outside of a building, there might be some holes or some little caps that are put in there. It shows that they've had a perimeter treatment. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, check the meter box. That's always a, a good go-to straight away. Check the meter box to see if it if it shows there's a sticker usually in there, and that'll show any uh, any treatment that has been done to the property. One thing they do do, and if you again, if you ever experience the the building and pest guys when they're checking on a on a building, they're actually quite loud. So they walk around tapping all of the timber with a with a little stick that they have. That they tap all the architraves and the skirtings and everything. The other thing that they do quite a lot and, and I do sometimes is we walk around and with your hand you just bang on the wall and then if you hear any crumbling in the wall that's generally the mud or the the leftovers from termites that have been in there. So if you hear any sort of mud falling down inside the walls that could be a sign that there's been some sort of traces of termites in those in that area
0: definitely something that i'd want to be aware of if i was investing a significant amount of money in a home or an investment property i would definitely want to know that it was um you know had good structural bone and 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 no issues that are going to come up and and cause maintenance headaches in the future i guess understanding when the right time to order a building and pest inspection is also quite critical. I know the process of purchasing property here in Brisbane is a little bit different to some other areas, um, especially Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, We generally don't have a lot of properties that sell by public auction. So um, if a property is being listed for sale by auction, uh, when is the best time, Scott, to get that inspection completed?
1: Yeah, there's quite a lot. There's quite a lot of agents now that actually provide a building and pest. So if people go to auction, I, I think it's a good thing to do for a seller as well, uh, is to actually provide a building and pest uh, be, before the auction. You can't. Some people don't rely on that completely. You know, it's sometimes we would recommend if you're interested in a property that's at a decent price point, 500 dollars is actually not a bad investment to get your own independent uh, inspection done on that. If you don't do that, look, I always, for our our clients, I always have a look and I'll I'll go through the inspection report that's been provided. Gives me a bit of an insight to what they've seen. Reports can read different sometimes. So I always probably strongly recommend getting that done prior, especially for an auction. Get it done prior so you can do your work before the the auction um, because you buy it under, under auction conditions, which is unconditional.
0: Yeah, so that's um, that's really important. Yes, it is an investment upfront um, and you're not guaranteed to be the winning bidder, but you do want to know that you can bid with confidence. And if there are any issues that come up in a building and in- pest inspection report and you still intend to bid at auction, at least you are aware of everything um, that you're going into and you know if there are any issues that you can factor that into your maximum bid price. But more often than not, here in Brisbane, our properties are listed for sale by private treaty, and what that means is you have the ability to put forward a contract that is often conditional to certain things. And one of the conditions that is very common here in Brisbane when we do put forward offers is to condition the contract of sale to a building and pest report. So you can actually negotiate on price upfront, lock in a contract, and agree um, with the seller on to enter. To purchase, enter a contract to purchase a property, but have that conditional to a building and pest inspection. So you don't incur the cost until you know you've secured the property. And that's definitely something that we, we regularly do for clients that do buy either off-market or by private treaty for properties that are listed for sale. In that instance, you have the opportunity to, to go in and, and perform those works knowing that you have secured the property. Scott, what are some of the uh, most common issues that we find here in Brisbane with properties that are typically, you know, the Queenslander style, or you know, some more modern builds that are the the low set brick and tile. What are the most common things that are coming up in the reports that uh, you're reading, and and you know, the properties that we're looking at for clients?
1: Yeah, there's probably probably three if I if I stick to sort of three main ones that come up in the reports, and they're not always deal breakers either. By the way, they're, they're things you can actually repair or maintain or you know deal with. Asbestos usually comes up quite a lot just because of the age, as you get closer to the CBD, you'll find that the older houses, they, they would have been constructed out of asbestos. If it's treated properly or if it's not broken, or it's just the, um, the fibres when you break it, that's the issue. If it's just left there and painted and maintained, there's generally no issue with it at all. It's actually a strong product, probably stronger than the fibre they use these days. Um, so asbestos is probably one that will come up quite a lot. Termites that's that's another big one that uh we do see a lot there, there's termites everywhere that they, they're throughout the whole area it's just how you treat your property and how you deal with it um to, to how you avoid having termite damage and that or whether there has been damage there as well and how you deal with it
0: I think just going back to the asbestos, I know for some uh, property buyers, asbestos seems like a very scary thing. Um, However, as Scott pointed out, unless you intend to um, break through that asbestos in some way, so if you intend to renovate um, or demolish, um, if you don't intend to change the ceiling or the walls that have been built out of asbestos, then there really is no issue um, to your health in having that in place because it's usually a painted surface so I know that we've had many conversations with our clients about what is the impact of asbestos Um, generally if you are looking to renovate or develop in which case you would be demolishing a property then you would need to get licensed contractors in to um, work with that product because you know the fibers can be a health hazard so it does sometimes increase the costs a little bit to um, you know, renovate or, or cut into the the fibres. So it's just something to be aware of. And if that's a strategy that a client would be looking for, it's something that we would make our clients aware of. But don't be afraid if you do read that a property has asbestos. It is not a health issue unless you are breaking that asbestos down. So just wanted to, to mention that. And obviously, you know, as Scott mentioned, termites being um an issue you want to make sure that you're purchasing something that um you know if there's been previous termite activity you want to be aware of that to see whether any of the structural components have been compromised um, or whether it was minor and it was only in some of the the skirting and and sort of soft timber but scott knows a lot more about that than me i think i'm talking out of my depth
1: (laughs) yeah and look still on if we jump back again i guess on the asbestos it's it's not as bad as what it probably people do think um, there's a lot of qualified trades people out there that that deal with this and if you have the right uh, qualified trades people that, that you work with they will have the connections and it's not as costly as probably what people think it, it will put a little bit more on but it's it's not going to probably break break the budget that much um, it's just something they deal with don't do it as a handy handyman and try and do it yourself I, I'd not recommend that at all but you just get the right people to deal with it deal with the right way, get it out of the way or or treated, and then away you go. You can keep working on it.
0: I think the termite thing, um, if we move on back to that one, um, some of the things might not be anything related to having any active termite um, damage or any activity of termites in the property, but it may be the way a property has been constructed that Um, means that there's not a visual barrier between the ground and the building structure and therefore the likelihood of termite infestation is very high. Scott, tell us a little bit more about those sorts of issues that come up.
1: Yeah, so generally a a rule of thumb, they usually say is is a 75 millimetre visual barrier. Termites don't like light. So that's the one thing to be aware of that if you build and you can't have that visual barrier where you can actually see or there's light between the, the frame, for example, and the underneath and the concrete area around the outside, termites can get in those areas. That's why they tend to go in through, uh, whether it's cracks in the concrete or up through where pipes penetrate through the slab and you can't see it. It's in underneath the ground. And there's if there's if it's nice and dark and moist, for example, so little things, and that's probably another quick one just to touch on, little things like air conditioners where the tundy strips near the outside of the building, it leaves moisture near the outside of the building termites love moisture and they love the dark so you really want to have it open don't have gardens next to your house all those little tips just to make sure it's nice and clean and there's light and they won't they won't like those areas at all.
0: So termites um, definitely you know it's something that comes up in a lot of reports and you know how you how you treat the the severity of any potential previous perm- termite attack or any active termite um, activity, you know, it's got to be considered on a case by case scenario. So that's where if you're unsure, I'd definitely be, you know, following the inv- the advice of your pest inspector um, to to understand whether it's something that's going to be a deal breaker for you to move forward with a purchase or not.
1: Yeah, definitely. The, the other thing that I, we do see quite a bit is moisture. Um, whether it's and there's probably, let, let's say there's two different types here. There's there's moisture readings that you have in wet areas, so showers, <coughs> pardon me, um, around showers and, and that type of thing where it can be the waterproofing membrane when they actually construct the, uh, the shower area. They, they waterproof the sheeting before they tile on it. So that membrane can break down. Or it can be a simple thing with a bit of silicon around behind the back of the taps where the water can run down and get in that wall. Uh, or it's just a grout and some silicon breaking down. So showers with those moisture readings. The other thing is water leaks. Uh, Here, especially in Brisbane, we do get summer storms that come down pretty heavy. So you want to make sure that things like your gutters are cleared as well. Your downpipes are working. You make sure that that water is getting away and you haven't got any small leaks, whether it's a tiled roof or a tin roof, that will have water penetration coming into the building. They're probably the, the main areas.
0: So the three main areas asbestos termites and um, moisture or water leaks um, what other things you know would we be considering um, especially if we've we're looking at a property that is an investment property um, I know there's some things that come up in a building and pest report that can potentially Um, create some litigation issues for you as a landlord. So I'd certainly want to know about what those things might be. Scott, what are some of the things that have come up for our clients that have caused us to sort of pull out of contracts?
1: So things like um, probably stairs and handrails. Again, speaking specifically for Brisbane area, there's a lot of Queenslanders. So we love our big decks that are up in the air and You've got your handrails and balustrade all around. Your stairs need to comply. So generally they say, without getting into too much detail, each riser on a set of stairs needs to be the same height. So that's through from the ground to the top landing. You need to have the same height of riser. I think it is a 5 to 10 sort of millimetre tolerance, but generally, rule of thumb, it's always the same height and there also is a restriction of those heights.
0: And I know that we have a very... Um you know, specific example of this where the internal stairs um, on a property that we had under contract for a client had been constructed and there was an issue whereby they did not comply with the building code because the tolerance was, sorry, the, the difference in the rises was outside of the tolerance prescribed by the building code. So, you know, we felt that the cost to replace those stairs um, was was too significant. And, you know, the risk to the investor in this instance was that if someone was to trip and fall and hurt themselves on those stairs, um, and those stairs are not compliant with current building code, then it does create a litigation risk. And, you know, as a property investor, you absolutely have to understand the risks associated with With that sort of um, structure so you know it's something that could be a deal breaker for many and it was certainly a deal breaker for our client once we outlined you know the the associated risk um, of moving forward.
1: Yeah I mean the option there is if you live in it you could probably live with it but don't forget when you go to sell it you're with the same problem so it's just something you want to make sure that they do comply and or you've prepared to change it down the track. The other thing is the handrails. As I mentioned, our, our decks and you elevate it up off the ground with the Queenslanders to get the breeze. If the bottom rail on the timber handrails, I've quite often seen it, and I'm not sure why it's done this way, um, where the the section that goes up a little bit higher is on the inside. What what it means is you, you're paling the timber that's up and down, you can actually hit it and it would knock out. If you a child, for example, was playing and running and they ran into that, the upright, it could actually push out and the child could fall down. So that's something to be real. I have seen it quite a lot and we've had to go in and actually change that handrail around.
0: Yes, it's a big, um, big thing again, and it can be a bit of an oversight um, for people when they're, they're just looking at properties, but safety 101 is so important as an investor. And if you've got something that's not compliant with the current building code, it doesn't mean when it was built it was non-compliant. It's what is compliant now, and therefore what your liability is now as a property investor. And that's definitely something that you need to be aware of because handrails that have been, you know, built the wrong way around and have that risk where they can pop out because the um, the bottom rail has been constructed um, incorrectly. That can present as a liability risk, and so you definitely need to be aware of that as an investor.
1: Yeah, and also don't forget that. If you touch that handrail or stairs in any way, you then need to comply. So Mm. it might not have complied when it was constructed, but the moment you actually touch it or do any sort of changes, it has to comply with the current code.
0: Sorry, what just to to clarify, it might have complied with the code when it was constructed, but it's not compliant now because the building code has been updated. Um, but you definitely would need to comply with current building code if you did any changes to that so it's definitely something that you need to be aware of
1: um, the other one we see quite a lot of and again it's 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 always good to have a bit of a rumpus room and a playroom downstairs if you haven't lift if the property hasn't been lifted up to the legal height it can't be classed as habitable rooms so a habitable room is your living areas your bedrooms for example they need to be 2.4 clear from your floor coverings to the ceiling. That's excluding some beams. So beams can can come down a little bit lower, but the actual ceiling, the main ceiling, majority of it needs to be at 2.4. Wet areas can go down to 2.1.
0: Again, that's something that, you know, quite often um, we've seen properties that are advertised with a bedroom downstairs because you know, it's set up as a bedroom, but in actual fact, legally, it cannot be termed a bedroom simply because it does not meet the minimum habitable ceiling heights um, that are prescribed by the building code. Now, again, if you're a property investor and, and you're advertising a property as a four bedroom property, because uh, two of the bedrooms on the lower level are um, not legal height, if people are using those as a bedroom, for example, and there's a fire that runs through that property. There's, there's a real liability issue there. Again, if you've advertised it in a way uh, which is not compliant with the current legal um, building code, it can just present as a liability issue. So there's so many things as an investor that you need to make sure that you are aware of because um, you know misleading information can lead to liability issues. And that's the last thing you want as a property investor to have these sorts of uh, you know issues coming along in the future or, or living with that sort of risk.
1: So... Yeah, I mean, so there's some things to think about, and I guess you, the other thing we we talk about then is what are your options? Uh, what do you do if you if you buy a property, for example? And there's some things that to, that do come up. I guess if it's pre-purchase, um, like we're talking about auctions, you need to make allowances. So you need to understand what the cost is going to be to make the changes, and then you you can actually allow for that in your budget when you go to um, purchase the property.
0: Yeah, I guess the um, in the second instance, if you have a contract that you've entered into that is conditional on a satisfactory building and pest condition, there are other other options available to you if something comes back and it is not to your satisfaction. Um, I guess those options do depend on what what the issue is. But if it's something structural or something that what we would consider from our construction background as being a category one defect, which is Usually, so anything to do with water ingress or the structural integrity of the property, um, regardless of what that cause is, I think that that's something that um, you know, if it's reasonably, uh, if it's reasonable to consider that you have not been able to see those issues during a standard visual inspection, you have the option to to negotiate with the seller um, either by a reduction in the the contract price. Or you can ask that seller to rectify the issue at their expense in order for that contract to proceed. So they are definitely things that need to be considered, and uh, you know you can't just pick random numbers in these instances. You really need to quantify the true cost of any potential rectification works, uh, because you know when you're entering negotiations at this point, remember you've already got a seller that's committed. You've 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 already um, you know committed to the purchase as well, and. As we always say, you can't change the location, but you can change the house. And you just need to understand the costs associated with making a house safe or making a house, um, you know, free from water leaks. And there's definitely um, ways to do that. And it's just about understanding those costs and negotiating appropriately at that point.
1: Yeah, it's not something you can just push back on little things uh, like a, a window doesn't close properly or a door jams or things like that. It's, it's a secondhand product generally. So if you're buying a secondhand house, you're, you're buying a secondhand house. So you've got to expect there are some things. There's probably three things that I am very sort of strong about. And I guess this comes from construction background. And the, and the three are termites. If there's any sort of termite damage or termite activity, that, that's a big uh, red flag, I guess, if you want to call it that. The other is water ingress. Whether it's from a shower, wet area, or from a, a roof leak and structural, so if there's any of those three things, I think they're three things you can really strongly talk about and negotiate. As Melinda said, you negotiate, you repair. You can just talk openly with the agent, talk openly with the owners, with the sellers, and try to come sort of some agreement. And I, and I guess if you can't, then your two options are you, you cancel the contract and you, and you move on, let the search begin again. Or you take the risk and you accept that risk, knowing that you have to do that work or probably do some work down the track.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a sensible approach just to get very clear advice at that point in time if there's anything that does come um, become apparent after a building and pest inspection. But I hope that uh, we've been able to highlight you some of the reasons why it is so important to not. You know, skimp on that—that that extra five hundred dollars as part of that huge investment that you're making because you can see some of the things that can be uncovered can be very significant. And um, I think it's important as an investor or a home buyer that you are, you know, fully aware of what uh, you are buying and, and what the potential issues may be.
1: Yeah, it's probably something I talk about a lot with, and just probably something to finish up on is some, um, and something to think about is you're investing a lot of money into property. Generally, you're starting around $500,000 plus uh, when you're investing it. Um, something I usually say to people is if you're going to buy a car, you'll probably get a mechanic to check your car and that's only worth 50, let's say, $1,000. Whereas to get someone to check your house for a half a million dollar plus purchase or more, it's to me, it's a really good investment. So I would always recommend getting a building and pest done uh, and really do your work on it. And the other thing probably to consider, and again, people don't do this, and if I reflect back to cars again, they'll get their cars serviced every 6 to 12 months. They never get a house serviced. (laughs) They live in it and expect it just to stay there forever.
0: Yeah, but the house the house depreciates or goes down in value as the building materials get older. So yeah, house maintenance does become something that's important whether you're a home owner or an investor as well. But um, look, I hope that that's been helpful to to highlight some of the issues that can come up in a building and pest inspection, also to help you understand when is the right time to get those building inspections completed here in Brisbane. Um, and what you can do if there's anything that does come up as a result of, you know, a building and pest inspection that comes back not to your satisfaction.
1: Um, well, <laughs> if you're not satisfied with it, um, yeah, I guess you just, you, you either got to make that assessment as you go. Um, it, it's really something you've, you've just got to work through. it. You've got to understand it and and ask someone to help you if you don't understand it.
0: Well, look, thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, it's been great to unpack, you know, some of the more structural buildings that have talked and, and less of my voice, more of Scott's voice. Um, until next time, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll come back to you again soon.
1: Yeah, look, I hope, I hope everyone's enjoyed that little bit of building insight. Um, yeah, look, do do your work. Check the property. It's a big investment. Uh, I hope, hope you've all enjoyed that um, from us. Take care and bye for now
0: thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is generally nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us.